everybody, welcome back to the podcast daily, and it's time for a new week. I don't know. I'm losing track. I guess this is week four of spring camp for Ohio State. Uh, they are through eight practices. They are through two scrimmages. The second one was on Saturday, and Bill Landis over there and me, Austin Ward, provided some coverage in the Woody. And when we left and did our live version of Snappy Jays, I felt like it was mostly general. So today we've got to drill down on some Buckeyes mm. who stood out to you in uh, Saturday's scrimmage. Like it. So where should we begin? <laughs> I like it. It's a drill down Monday. I don't. I don't know. Uh, I was. I was thinking about this uh, on my, <laughs> you know, on my drive leaving the Woody because I can't help but think about this football team at every waking hour of my life. Uh, I. I we don't have. know yeah, we if have. we said the name Carnell Tate in our post scrimmage snap judgments, uh, and if we did not, we definitely should have because. Uh, Man, I, I, it's you go into these things and you try really hard, like not to get carried away with the true freshman who looks really good, but that kid <laughs> looks like something else. And then, like afterward, Marvin Harrison is like, "This guy right here, this is the next one. Pay attention." It's like, all right, all right. If you're saying it, then I, then I guess I feel okay saying it myself. Um, I don't know, and it's not it's not just the way that Carnell played um, during that scrimmage, during the the one before, after which he lost his black stripe. It's the stuff that like Ryan Day and Brian Hartline have have said about him. Like, I don't. I I think I put on the board at, at uh, OhioStateRivals.com that that I don't I don't think I've heard the coaching staff talk about a freshman in such glowing terms so early in terms of how he handles his business on and off the field. But maybe you have an example to oh, compare boy. it to because I'm trying uh, they to seem to really I, like what Carnell Tate's doing right now. They talked about – I remember the coaching staff talking about Terry McLaurin in this light, but it wasn't in a way that was like he's going to immediately help Ohio State's offense and he's going to be – an NFL wide receiver right away because Terry's process was a lot longer. Um, the only, the only other one that translates in my mind where this happened and it wasn't quite as public uh, at times it was, but Chris Olave received a lot of attention for this as well. And for, you know, latching on to some of those veterans like Terry McLaurin and like Johnny Dixon and Paris Campbell. And we know what his work ethic was like. And then people kind of, including myself, I guess. I mean, from September and October and then in the middle of November, you just kind of forgot about it because like, well, maybe the maybe that was just like for down the road. Maybe he's a it's still going to take a time to develop. And then it just took off in November of his freshman year. Um, I Those would be the two that come to mind. But I think that Carnell Tate probably surpasses both of them at this point because it's coming up way too frequently. Uh, and as I said, I think on maybe Thursday when we did some spring stonks and brought his name up like i didn't i try not to do this during spring and for good reason but ohio state and carnell tate are forcing the issue because he's playing at a really high level in, on the practice field right now yeah it just it and also it makes me believe strongly that the, the receiver position is going to look a little different this year. It's just not going to be dominated by by the three guys that we expect it to be dominated by. Um, <laughs> and it's not like, look out, Marvin Harrison, Carnell's coming for your snaps. I don't, I, that's not what I'm saying. But um, I I think that when, when Brian Hartline says that he thinks they have – six or seven that he could play and it's and that the, the back end of that rotation is better this year than it was last year. I don't think he just says that stuff. 
And it, it makes me think they're going to try to utilize some guys a little differently, at least, you know, get them on the field in more than just garbage time. Obviously, you want Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Buka out there as, as often as possible, but that still leaves you plenty of room to, to get other guys in. Um, it gives a, someone like me who's been obsessed with this a reason to ask about putting four or five receivers on the field at the same time. So I'm, I'm thankful for that opportunity. Um but it's a it's part of it's just like you go out there and it's like oh they have more awesome receivers great good for good for Ohio State I guess that's not ending anytime soon um, but then you also then you quickly pivot to like okay like how how do they use this because um, I didn't feel this at all with the guys we watched like last year in their freshman class but it's like you watch Carnell Tate and you just think to yourself like that guy's got to be in, in don't in you think that you're front of mind somehow you know, like find a ten way personnel crusade or five wide crusade is going to be more successful with Brian Hartline around and. Instead of Kevin Wilson? <laughs> it the, the thought has entered my mind. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that potentially that, that could be the case. Uh, I don't know. It's still Ryan Day's offense, and Ryan Day likes him some 12 personnels, as we've said a few times. But um, it's not, they don't have to go <laughs> to the five wide all the time. They, if, if they did it once, it'd be more than they've ever done it. So um, right, I think I, there was just, one. You, know, you have those weapons out one there. One throw don't be, don't that was on target to Carnell Tate that he did not complete the catch, if memory serves. And that was because Davison Igbenosin uh, ripped the ball out of his hands. Ninja swiped it out of his hands. I don't know. It was a great pass breakup. And I, I mentioned it. Um, in my observations uh, on Saturday at OhioState.Rivals.com, where this conversation always seems to come back to whether a cornerback turns his head or not. And I don't want to get into uh, the technique conversation uh, or whether they should or shouldn't or what the situation is, but Davison Igbenosin was out of phase. He was trying to catch up to Carnell Tate down the sideline. And rather than turn his head and get beat worse in what could have turned into a touchdown, and I'm borrowing this from from Chimdi Chekwa, who's been at the last couple of scrimmages, and I, I've really appreciated his insights for defensive backplay over the years. It's like, well, what you need to do in that situation is play the hands and attack the hands and go after the catch point. Do not try and turn your head around. You're not going to be able to make the play that way. And so he closed with some impressive speed. We know the length. We've talked about that since the day uh, we saw him the first time in spring practice. And then... I thought that that technique was really sound and not just because it worked, uh, but it did work. And so that certainly uh, gets you a little extra. So that play stood out. <laughs> it was another one to file away in the Davison Igbenosin file. Yep, for sure. For sure. I was, I think maybe on the different side of the field from you watching that. So my, the way that played out of my head was really good throw from Kyle McCord. <laughs> Holy crap! What a catch from Carnell Tate! Oh, he didn't catch it. I wonder why that happened. And I and I didn't. I I didn't. I was not at a good angle to see what Davison did until I think um, I don't know if it was the Lantern or Eleven Warriors had a, had a video of of the place I was able to watch back, and it was like the picture perfect illustration of what Tim Walton had said about Davis Nigwinoson earlier in the week, which was like you see his length and you think to yourself, well. You know that's probably pretty beneficial to him, like at the line of scrimmage, right? He can jam guys and and has a lot of leverage there with with his length. And if someone were to like top shelf a ball in the end zone, that probably helps him too. But but I think the thing that that it gives him maybe more than anything else is like the ability to recover in those kind of situations. And um, you're right, there's been a lot of discourse on looking for the ball and not looking for the ball. And uh, I think there's there's a lot of nuance to that. Um, but 
I think a fair criticism of Ohio State's defensive backs is that regardless of whether they should or should not have been looking for the ball, they were not always physical enough at the catch point. And uh, Davison, in that one snapshot, very much was physical at the catch point. And I think if you watch him at Ole Miss, you see a lot of that too. I think that's part of the reason why they wanted to bring him in here. Um, He's not like a huge interception guy. He did have one on on Saturday, as I mentioned um, afterward, but uh, I think he might have only had one or two at Ole Miss last year. You don't have to have a ton of interceptions to be a good, effective defensive back, but you do need to get your hands on the football, and and Davison seems to be doing that. And and I wonder if all the stuff we've heard about how much better the secondary as a whole has been on that, been at that, like maybe permeates from a guy like Davison. If that's like what he yeah, brings to the I, table, then all of a sudden he's like raising I, I think the level to of be, play for everybody. To else. be fair, with what we've seen, like Jordan Hancock and Denzel Burke are both still handling everything Ohio State is throwing at them, and they've continued to take. You know, primarily from what we've seen, the first team snaps when they've been out there doesn't mean that they are entrenched starters, but uh, it does look like this team is getting back to the three man rotation that it, when it has been its most successful with three guys that it trusts, and and that's not even to short the attention on Jair Brown, who I think we mentioned him last week for playing physically, uh, or Ryan Turner, who showed that he could jump out there with the twos and play in the nickel. Like, there's a lot of those guys that are on the rise, but I think there's probably just a cut above with those three once you add Davison Igbenosa. And if he's able to sustain this, now it's said that this this isn't permanent. This is eight practices, but it does look like he's trending in the right direction through this these practices. And it was, as you said, a big time addition for Ohio State that's going to pay off, it looks like. Yeah. Um another guy in the secondary who caught my attention. Um, which is interesting because I, I feel like you you and I are <laughs> probably on like opposite sides of of the Josh Proctor conversation. I, like you've always been very very high on him, and understandably so, right? For all, for all the reasons you've articulated um, over the last few years about about why people are so enamored with him. But I'm mm-hmm. more like like I hear it, but I don't see it. So like, how can I how can I get excited about it? Um, so so like I've I've always been like if. Like Sonny Styles has to play, and I'd love to see Kai Stokes get a <laughs> shot. I, I don't need to see a guy who's in his sixth year, like, you know, finally break through. But, but, and like, that's probably like a cynical way to look at it, but I, he's looked really good <laughs> the times we've been out yeah. there at practice. And uh, on Saturday, who, who did it was Chip Trainum, right? It was like a ball over the middle of the field, and it was like a, it was not a tackle drill. <laughs> so it was not, it was a thud, thud tempo drill. And, and Josh didn't, didn't yeah. quite tackle Chip, but he hit him pretty hard, <laughs> probably harder than you should be hitting someone in a in a quote unquote thud tempo drill, and and jarred the ball loose from Chip uh, on a on an incompletion. It ended up being, and it was just like, oh yeah, like this guy when he's dialed in and like and reads it and and has it lined up, he is very much a heat seeking missile. So um, it just made me like pull back a little bit, I guess, on my skepticism that Josh Proctor is suddenly going to get it figured out and be an impact player this year. So I guess I mostly <laughs> wanted to give him a shout hey, out for that. And you then said also, it, not me. I'm, you know, not, you I'm, not, to, I'm to not talking about Josh here. Proctor this spring. Those are two bad dudes, uh, Chip <laughs> Trainum and Josh Proctor. And that collision uh, for a thud period, you're not going to see one that's harder than that. And I think that they both liked it. Chip Trainum wasn't happy that he dropped football because I think mainly he wasn't expecting Josh Proctor to be there. But it wasn't like it wasn't like a Jack Cone knockout attempt. He was basically just like in coverage and didn't give any ground. And Chip Trainum ran into a wall, and then the ball pops loose. Uh, I think I don't know what's going to happen, but I don't think that this is just a spring 
senior spring placeholder situation with Josh Proctor or Cameron Martinez. The longer you get into it, and again, it's eight. That's a small sample size. There's a full training camp in August that's going to sort all this out. Uh, summer workouts and the whole deal. Like I'll give all those caveats, but I don't like there wouldn't be any value for Ohio State or for Jim Knowles in his second year leading that defense to just be like, ah, you know what? Well, this, those veteran guys know what they're doing. Let's let them go out with the ones. Like, what? What would be the point of that? Like, even if you're just if you wanted to bring Sonny Styles along, like let him go get meaningful reps against you know good versus good situations and and try him in deeper water and let them grow that way. I, I, I just have a hard time thinking that it's an accident or just deference to the veterans. I think that they're, I know that I've seen that with Cameron Martinez. Uh, I would like to say the same thing for Josh Proctor, but I'm not talking about him this spring. And I think like they're, they're continuing to put them out there for a reason. And I don't think it's just seniority. <laughs> Uh, I, I've changed my mind a little bit on that because if you would have asked me a week ago, I probably would have just said it's, it's seniority and the situation has changed at nickel a little bit, potentially, as we said, with Jihad Carter getting hurt, um, in, in practice, we don't know the severity mm-hmm. of that, but I, I imagine at least in the, in the short term, like it's going to be a lot of Cam Martinez now at nickel until, until Jihad can, can get, uh, back to hundred percent, however long that takes. Um, and I, I, I guess it was just like, again, skepticism with, with, with Josh, it was just like I don't, I don't, I don't think it can come together. And but it, it, but it's happened for other guys, right? I, I don't know why I would write him off if it's happened for other guys in this program before. It's not, it's not a given. Um, it's it's certainly not something that that happens all the time or, or even the majority of the time with guys in that situation. But it doesn't mean that it can't happen. So um, we'll see. Like I, I really like Kai Stokes and the, like the idea of like a a young talented guy like that having to wait another year to play. Um, that doesn't sit totally right with me, but but also too, if you're putting them both out there, and you know if it's a if even it's a seniority thing because like someone has to go with the first team defense, right? So like you can't put them both out there at the same time, so someone has yeah. to go first, and you're letting them battle, and Josh comes out looking like the better of the two, then like he earned it. So um, I I think I think that they are. I think it's still very much like competition there. I don't think anything has sewn has been sewn up, but. Um, I am I am less in the camp now that like oh these guys are just older placeholders until the younger guys are ready. I think I think that maybe something has clicked for each of them, Cam and Josh both, that there's no one blocking them. They have every opportunity in the world now to start, um, and like really no excuse for not winning a starting job. And and I think guys might fold under that, I, but guys we, can also rise to the occasion. And, and I'm going to break that. another one of my rules and watching Jelani Thurman move around in scrimmages. Holy cow! There just are not a lot of humans like him. And I think that Ohio yeah. State recognizes that, and they yep. may be more willing to this, – this word came up last week, right, with uh, Perry Eliano and Sonny Styles, like streamline. I think they're going to have to do that with Jelani Thurman in some capacity, and I think that they're more open to that idea than they may have been in the past, at least – at least based on what we've seen so far in these spring scrimmages, it's almost almost all of it's been with the twos. Um, a few scattered, you know, reps where he jokes out maybe in seven on seven with the ones and gets some opportunities there uh, as Ohio State mixes and matches and, and doesn't want to push it maybe too hard with Kate Stover this spring. Man just moves well. He is incredibly put together for a true freshman. He's big. He's strong. He seems to have 
He's got a great catch radius. Uh, if he wants to block, I'm sure he'd be capable of doing that as, as strong as he is. So uh, we'll see what that all means moving forward. But <laughs> we know that nobody wants to try and tackle him once he gets the ball in his hands. We know that he can create some unique uh, mismatch opportunities. I don't know how you really want to defend this guy, especially in the red zone. And I think he's going to have to – he doesn't have to play. That's too strong. Ohio State has a lot of talent with Cade Stover, Joe Royer, and G. Scott. He's a real bonus, I think, potentially, if Ohio State does use him right away. There, there's more potential there in year one that I would have anticipated. Um, he, I don't, I don't know why. I just like in my mind, it's like, oh, Jelani Thurman is like a six-five, two hundred and twenty-pound beanpole who's going to have to add 30, 30 pounds before he can get on the field. And we got out there the first day of spring. It was like, nope, this guy, this guy's two fifty. I don't, I don't know when that happened. Maybe he's always been that big, and I just wasn't paying close enough attention. But um, he, yeah, he definitely looks the part. And that that play yep. that he had in the first scrimmage we watched, where he caught the ball on the run from it was Kyle right, and and ran it down to the goal line, and and. I think probably scored. Everyone kind of thought he scored, mm-hmm. but they didn't rule it a touchdown. But it was like a really tough finish to, to the end of that play, too. And I was like, all right, this kid's got something. And um, he's a big target in the red zone, as you said. So I, I don't know. I'm 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 curious. We talked with uh, Keenan Bailey and the tight ends later this week. And I'm just interested in the way that Keenan will talk about him. Like, does he try to pump the brakes on that? Does he does he embrace the idea? Like, oh yeah, we can we can find a way to use this guy because he's he's different looking. Like they and that's I'm sure that's what was attractive about him. In the recruiting process, he just is a big, strong, uh, fast. I think for his size and and um, incredibly long athlete. So like it's a it's a body type that I, I it's maybe yeah. like similar to Rashad Berry, but probably even a little bit longer than that. Um, but but also <laughs> probably with more potential because John. Yeah, Thurman he's not going to be a tight uh, end suiting guy the that, defensive end. Uh, they don't look soon. at him and don't know what position um, he's supposed to play. Yeah, I guess that's breaking two rules, talking about the tight ends too much <laughs> no. in the spring and talking about a true freshman. But, you know, sometimes exceptions have to be made. Yeah, I think I have uh, something I want us to do on, on the podcast before the spring game is like uh, a, a draft or whatever <laughs> of like guys that people are going to be like freaking out about after the spring game. And uh, yeah, it I sounds like uh, Jelani Thurman. We've uh, named three of them already. It'd just be the same, the same show again next week. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, no offense <laughs> to Josh sure Proctor, but his opportunity for that yeah. past five years. Ago. That's right. It did. Yeah, but he's I, Which, he, he was yeah. a spring game star. Wasn't he, didn't about. they have like a spring game where he had a crazy interception? Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> any, uh, any, anyone else you want to throw in there before we wrap up on Monday? Uh, no, I think that's I think that covered it. I'm trying to just think quickly. Um, no, like uh, like I don't know if I made this point or not afterward, but in a world where like people I think are probably concerned about some of the thoughts coming out of, of, of mm-hmm. Saturday as it pertains to the offensive line. Um, I think Josh Fryer looks pretty solid. So um, I don't, I don't, <laughs> the, 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 Josh Fryer being solid on the left side doesn't do anything for the right side of the line, but uh, it, it's still, uh, I want to make sure that like those two conversations are separated. Cause I, I, I think the more we see him, yeah, the more and when, I feel comfortable and when they're not with the idea, taking like, it okay, easy with Donovan, Donnie, DJ Jackson, uh, 
that left side I think is pretty well stabilized, which that's a big deal in itself. And you're still, you know, mm -hmm. you're halfway done when you have that and you know what you're probably going to get from Matthew Jones at right guard. Like there's work that has to be done. There's no question about that. We talked about the offensive line and the issues they had against the pass rush a lot, but I don't know that they're like, it's easy to leave Saturday and be like, this is horrible. This is not going to work. Like they're not going to be able to fix it. And that's not uncommon for spring practice for offensive linemen. And I don't know that they're like light years away from getting this stabilized. Like you've got some veteran guys, some experience. Um, he, you assume mm -hmm. at some point that Justin Fry is going to get somebody ready to play at right tackle and that they'll be ready to go. Um, you know, maybe, maybe that assumption won't be, will be unfounded down the road, but this isn't the first time that we've watched a scrimmage and be like, nope, they're not going to do it. <laughs> yeah, like I thought watching the spring game last year, I was like, oh, if I don't see it with this Paris Johnson kid. <laughs> and then guess what? I was wrong. So so uh, I think I Justin Fry's only been here a year, but like just for me personally, like I, I feel like he's banked up a fair amount of credibility. Um, and I think Ohio State's pretty confident that he's the right guy to get it figured out. So um, maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe they'll get done and they'll have to look at the portal and um, figure it out that way. But I, I think, I still feel that there's a reasonable amount of confidence in Justin Fry's ability to develop the guys the right way, and in yep, uh, and they've got two more weeks of spring ball to, to, to look at that and evaluate and work and develop and do all that stuff uh, on the practice field. And the Woody will have uh, as much coverage as we can possibly provide here on the podcast and at OhioState.Rivals.com. Burn will be back uh, later on on Monday. We will be in the Horseshoe Lounge at Roosters. Uh, we'll talk more about the scrimmage there with uh, Bobby and Jay Z and. Uh, Nicole Cox got to watch one of her first scrimmages, so it'll be interesting to get a fresh set of eyes and what she thought about that experience. Because I do, th I do think that is interesting. We get to see that a lot, and like she was kind of, you know, that was a new experience. Like she probably noticed a lot of things that we did not, just about the way that whole operation works that maybe we take for granted by being there because it takes hundreds of people to pull off what they do all the time. So uh, that will be interesting. Uh, we'll have. Um, what else? You said tight ends this week. The last position groups will talk. Tight ends and running backs. Okay. Those are the only ones that are left. Uh, maybe Trey and Anderson will, will get a chance to come chat yep. and talk about his health because uh, he seemed to really want to do that after the scrimmage on Saturday because he wants to play. Um, and then, yeah, a lot more a lot more stuff <laughs> as uh, we're into the final home stretch. It's almost over, and we've been, we waited so long for it to get back, and now there's two – two weeks until the off season. I don't like the sound of that, but thanks for spending part of your <laughs> Monday with us here on the podcast daily uh, for Bill Landis. I am Austin Ward. We will talk to you later.